church, as we enter into this new year, 2021, no matter what happens, let us keep our eyes fixed on the one who's faithful, the one where our hope is secure. We look towards this year with our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, our firm foundation. We praise you, most worthy one. My hope is built on nothing less. That's right. Jesus' blood and righteousness. I did not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. There's something powerful that happens when we declare that in our hearts. We proclaim these words again. I hope is built on nothing less. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. It's you who we trust, but holy trust in Jesus' name. We won't be shaped, we believe in Christ
Church, we're just going to pray together for a second. God, our eyes are fixed on you. We trust in you. No matter how big the wave, you're still king. No matter how big the storm, you're still seated on the throne today. God, no matter what virus there is, you're still the king. No matter how many bombs go off, you are still Lord and Savior. You're the cornerstone, God. My faith, my hope, this church, this world, this universe, this existence, it is built on the foundation of Jesus. You're the first, you're the last, you're preeminent, you're before all things, you're above all things. Jesus, to you be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Man, we have a good God. We're a a blessed church. We have a good God. Hey, uh, good morning. We're excited to be together today. We're going to take a few seconds, like 60, I think exactly. You can turn and you can say hi to somebody around you. We're going to have a good day today.
Yeah. It's good to clap because some of those kids were pretty good. And uh, some of them weren't. And I'm not going to say which ones. <laughs> those are, that was awesome. Honestly, they were all great. Uh, my name is Darius, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Rainier Christian Center. Um, I, I don't know if everybody is privy to this. You probably are. Um, 20, 25th is Christmas. The 26th in like Canada and England and I don't know, probably some other countries is what they call Boxing Day. Uh, so the day after Christmas, the Sunday after Christmas, though, is actually International Backup Preacher Day. So that's what I'm celebrating today. <laughs> I'm kidding. I asked Pastor Rick if I could talk today, so uh, we, we, ha- we haggled it out together. Well, I want to do a couple things really quick, though. Again, my name is Darius. Uh, online, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. If you're watching online, um, Pastor Greg, um, minimal casualties this morning. Most everything is okay. Pastor Greg is sick this morning, so he actually, he's just trying to recover, feeling a little bit better this morning, but uh, we want to make sure that he gets his rest. So he is watching online. I mean, he might not be watching now, but probably at some point in time, he'll watch the online gathering today, depending on how bad I do. And then um, also, this is really weird, y'all, but uh, my mama Joyce, that's what I call my grandmother. Uh, If you're from the South, you get to have weird names for your grandparents. Um, And so my grandmother, Mama Joyce, and Papa, uh, James and Joyce, are watching. I love you guys. Thank you so much uh, for encouraging me and being part of our church. So anyway, uh, all that to be said, there's a couple things, church, that are happening soon that I don't want to forget about. One is this, is, uh, is, did anybody go, did anybody go and actually watch the light show that we've had up, did anybody, that, I went and actually did that last night, my nieces were visiting us, they're, they're five and six years old, and so it was about as crazy as you would think it was, um, but in the midst of the chaos, we watched the lights and, um, and listened to the music, and it was really, really cool, so what a huge blessing that's been. On Saturday, though, it's coming down, um, I think we still have the radio station, the lights are still up, so you still, I think, probably can come watch the show, uh, the light show. Yeah, okay, I'm getting a thumbs up. So you can still watch the show any night you want to watch it. Um, it's, it's better to see in the dark, but you can watch it any night or any time. You can watch it at noon if you want uh, between now and Saturday, but it is coming down on Saturday, so that's the hard deadline if you haven't seen it. Um, if you want to help with that, though, if you want to help take down, we'd love to have some extra hands out here. So Saturday uh, at 9 a.m., they're going to start. And man, the um, Rich, who uh, is the guy, I think that's his name, who's the guy who leads it, uh, Van Dam has just did an amazing, amazing job, and his last name is Van Dam. so if you... Say you're going to help and you don't. He will kick you in the face. And if you don't get that joke, then I'm proud of you. Um, so anyway, yeah, dude, it's going to be a lot of fun hanging out on Saturday morning and getting that stuff done. Uh, and then the other thing that I just want to make sure that everybody is aware of is that this Wednesday and next Wednesday night, um, we still don't, no, that's not true, this Wednesday night, we don't have any of our midweek stuff. So there's no impact for kids, which is our amazing uh, fourth and fifth grade ministry. It's really cool. There's no youth happening. Uh, there's no culture happening um, Wednesday night. So none of that stuff, none of our classes, anything. The campus is closed on Wednesday night this week. So just to make sure that you know that, we'll resume, again, not this Wednesday, but 10 days from today, we'll resume our Wednesday night stuff. So That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Uh, we're still, we're still um, celebrating Christmas. And so because we don't have to stop celebrating Christmas yet, somebody say amen. Because we don't have to stop celebrating Christmas yet, we're going to just tag on to uh, the Christmas message series that we've been in. So uh, actually, we're going to go several places in the Bible today. But if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and get it out. You can go to the book of Colossians. Um, it's just a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church at Colossae, and so you can go and you can look at that, and um, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17 is where we're going to be at today. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, 16, 17. I'm actually going to go ahead and read that once you get there. We'll hang out there. We're going to look at a little bit of Revelation today. We're going to look at some stuff Jesus says in Matthew today. Uh, We're going to jump around a little bit. But um, man, the word of God is so important. And here's why. 
Um, you know, you could do a whole long study if you'd like to, or you could take the systematic theology class with Pastor Greg, which is really cool. I'm in the middle of it right now, actually, uh, doing the class with Pastor Greg. And you can learn all about, you know, how the Bible was written and the authority of the Bible. And you can learn about that stuff. You can read other books about it. You can do the research yourself. But the reason that the Word of God is so good is just boiled down to the truth that God's Word has been prepared and preserved for you and me today to remind us of God's faithfulness, God's love, God's glory, his ultimate greatness, and the fact that in his glory and ultimate greatness, he still chooses to lavish love, healing, restoration, and transformation out on the lowly likes of us. And so God's word is important, and I'm excited. That's what we get to do today is talk about God's word together and glorify God together. In Colossians uh, chapter 1, I'm just going to read it off of my phone because I've got it here, okay? Uh, it says this in chapter 1. Um, I think I'm starting here in verse 15. This might be verse 14. I've got it all in a chunk here. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Now, he, we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> so make sure you know. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. That's a big deal. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things are held together. This is one of the most um, impactful, touching scriptures to me. In him, all things are held together. I don't know if when you were little you sang that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Anybody? Maybe? Or if you saw the movie Rocket Man where he sings it in like five different made-up languages. Okay. In him, all things are held together. All hurts, all pains, all wounds, all promises, all past, present, and future. Hope is held together by Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. Woo. The firstborn from the dead. Not just the firstborn of creation, but he is the first to make the trip from death to life. That's just crazy. He's the first to make the trip from the grave back to the earth, from earth to heaven. He did it first, trailblazer. He's the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, he might be preeminent, meaning the ruler. So we've got We've got a good God this morning. Uh, as I was getting ready for this, I want to talk about hope this morning. Because as we're talking about Christmas, the, the thing that always just blows my mind at Christmas is that in the midst of darkness, Jesus arrived on earth to bring hope. And if you look just historically at the context of Jesus' birth, he is born in one of the craziest times in human history. And he's born in probably the darkest time in the history of the country that he was born in, in the country of Israel. He's an Israelite. And he is born in the midst of the hardest, longest exile, or, or not exile, but... Um, um, uh, occupation that Israel has to go through. He's born in the midst of this longest season where they are overwhelmed by enemies. And in the midst of this darkness and lack of hope, Jesus chooses to make himself known and bring hope to the world. So Jesus really is the first and last word on hope. So I want to talk about Jesus as the only hope this morning. Um, there's just touch the microphone. There's a, um, there's a little movie that I want to reference, and it's like an old uh, an indie film. So I know that this is probably going to go over a lot of people's, or not overheads, but through heads, because nobody cares about the stupid stuff that I care about. I'm a nerd. It's fine, okay? Um, and if you haven't heard of this movie, that's totally fine. It doesn't have a lot of cultural popularity. But um, there's this scene in the movie where this uh, guy receives like a holographic telegram and this woman pops up on the holographic telegram and she goes, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. So, some of you have heard of it? 
Okay. Well, it's called Star Wars. <laughs> if you haven't heard of it, I totally get it. <laughs> if you have heard of it, you're in the majority. Okay. The, the story, it was, I was thinking about it this week because I was, I was thinking about how Jesus is our only hope. And I was thinking about that as I was getting ready for this. God, there's so many things for us to hold on to and so many hopes for us to have and so many places for us to put our hope. We can put our hope in our marriage. We can put our hope in our children. We can put our hope in our government. We can put our hope in a vaccine. We can put our hope in uh, the next current event. We can put our hope in our safety. We can put our hope in our possessions. We can put our hope in our investments. Those are all fine places to have hope for. Look, it's okay to say, you know what? I hope that the next you know, election goes well. It's fine to say, I hope that the economy does well. It's fine to say, I hope I get a boat. <laughs> it's fine to say, I hope we can buy a home. Those are all fine things. But Jesus has to stand out and alone as the only hope in that echelon. Do you know what I mean? Jesus has to be the only ultimate hope. Like, he just has to be, because if he isn't the only hope, we will be divided as people. And I don't just mean, like, some of us will go this way and some of us go this way. What I mean is, I will be divided as an individual if Jesus isn't my only hope. Part of my heart will say, a new boat, and part of my heart will say, my only Lord and Savior. And those things will be a conflict within me, and I will actually miss out on hope if Jesus isn't my only preeminent Lord of all creation, firstborn from the dead, head of the church, in him all things are held together, hope. If that's not true, and I, the reason I say this <laughs> is not because I think you need to hear it. <laughs> the reason I say it is because I need to hear it. I don't say these things because... Because I like, think about it, I think, well, what do people need to hear? I never, ever... I just can't preach that way. I can't, I don't know what you need to hear. I don't know what you're lacking in or deficient in or good at. What I know is what, <laughs> is what I need. And if you need what I need, I need the hope of Jesus in my life. So I love this scene, right? I love this scene from the movie Star Wars because when this princess, Leia, warrior princess, asks for help, she says those words. She says, Help me, you are my only hope. You know, when that is heard by the protagonists of the story, they realize that action is necessary. The cool thing, though, about it is, is just that it's the theme of the movie. The, the actual, the title of the movie, right, is A New Hope. And I'm just going to just, just have a small rant, okay, because... There are a lot of people who like Star Wars, okay? And, and I get it. And look, if you like Star Wars, you're allowed to like whatever Star Wars you like and hate whatever Star Wars you hate. And if you don't like Star Wars, you're allowed to hate all of it. It's a free country. Do as you please. <laughs> I'm in support of whatever things you like and don't like as long as their name isn't Jesus, okay? Um, or, you know, Jesus' people. Those are good things to like. But I, I just, sometimes I get in conversations with people, because again, I'm a huge nerd, and we'll start talking about like the Star Wars that we like. And, and I get a lot of people who are like, well, just, I don't like the, some of the new stuff, because like the, the lightsaber fights aren't as good as the old ones, and like so-and-so is like, they're not as cool, and they're not related to so-and-so, and I kind of wanted there to be like more like starship things, and I kind of wanted like so-and-so to like be more muscular. And I'm like, okay, bro, that's weird. And they're like, I just kind of like, I thought like so-and-so's acting was like too broody for me. I thought they should have been less broody. And I'm like, that's totally fine. Um, but you know, the whole point of the story is this a story of hope? I just recently, in the last few years, rewatched. Now, this is my love language. I rewatched these movies with my wife. And um, when my wife makes a Star Wars reference or like says something that she enjoys from something like Star Wars, I just think, can I marry you again? And it's not because I love her more because she loves Star Wars, it's just because I am like, oh man, you like you're just such a cool person. Like, I'm just so lucky that, I'm lucky that you, like, see value in stories. It's just so cool. Um, 
And my wife is, she was in foster care. And so like watching things through her lens or reading stories through her lens is mind blowing to me because I have two parents. And so when you put yourself out of your shoes and in somebody else's shoes and you examine the world through somebody else's lens, it really jacks you up. It will really just mess with your stuff. When you, when, you, when you can like, you know, when I talk about stuff with my older brother who was, uh, he was in combat in Iraq uh, for three tours. When I talk about stuff with him, and he doesn't like to talk about that, but when I talk about things that we both observe together and I see it from his angle, it really messes with my stuff because it reveals places that I have been deficient in my understanding. The same thing happens with my wife. I also just recently, recently, like last month, finally, my, my uh, wife's younger sister lives with us, and I just like wore her down like over years and years. I would like subliminally suggest, like I would make alphabet soup and like write Star Wars with the soup, <laughs> like serve it to her, like every way that I could. I didn't really do that, but it would have been a good idea. It was just like trying to convince her to watch these movies with me. And finally, like a, a month ago, we watched them all, and again, it was like w- seeing it for the first time through somebody else's eyes. And what I realized is Star Wars, like a lot of stories, is a story of not only about hope, but about fatherlessness and about parentlessness. And I watched the story again, and I realized, if you haven't seen it, the, the main character, his name is Anakin, his whole context is that he loses hope because he's an orphan, and he needs people to take care of him, and there's nobody really in his life that cares for him in the way that he's looking for. And so he turns his hope to places that promise to provide hope and don't. And, and then the new stories, the new the three movies that just came out for the last five years, they're about an orphan, and her name is Ray, and she has to decide where where she's going to put her hope. And so when people start arguing with me and telling me, I don't like Star Wars because of the lightsaber fights, I'm like, maybe you are you can believe whatever you want, but it's possible that you miss the point because the point of the story isn't laser swords, it's hope. <laughs> Sorry. The reason that I'm so passionate about that is because sometimes we read the Christmas story. I know this sounds crazy, but we read the Christmas story and we, we can think that the Bible is about do's and don'ts and the Bible is about details and it's about the little tiny things that we, we want to argue about as Christians when in reality, the story is not about all of the things that get dis- that it's distracted. It's a story of the hope of a God that loves broken people who sin and are fallen so much that he would invade the earth at Christmas to say there is a hope greater than the one you're holding on to. And so that's why I get so passionate about it. I want to talk for a few minutes now that I've spent all that time on Star Wars. <clears throat> it was intentional, actually. I want, to talk, I want to talk about Jesus as our hope. Jesus is our hope for our present moment, right? Jesus is our hope for our present moment, our moment right now. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Jesus says this. He says, are you tired? Do you labor and are you heavy laden? Then come to me and I'll give you rest. This is Jesus' hope for the present moment. Jesus' hope for the present moment is not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to make better decisions. That is an outflow of God's healing. But Jesus' first hope for the present moment is come to me and I'll give you rest. Is anybody else worn out from your family during the holidays? (laughs) Jesus says, come to me if you labor and you're heavy laden. Now, again, we're blessed because we all have our different families. But Jesus says, come to me if you labor and you're heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Are you tired of your addiction? Because right now, Jesus says, come to me. If that's a burden that you carry, and I'll give you rest. You know what I've learned about people with addiction, dealing with addiction, dealing with people that I know that have addiction. You know what I've learned is that way more often than not, addiction is a result of a burden that someone can't carry. Jesus says, come to me. If you're heavy laden, if you've got a burden that you cannot hold, I can hold the world together and I can hold all of the sin of the world to the cross. I'm that strong. So I can carry your burden. Put it on me 
if your burden is there are things that you see that you feel like you have to have control over and you don't need to have control over them, surrender them to Jesus because right now his promises come to me and I'll give you rest. If your burden is a secret that you are keeping from your spouse, come to Jesus. Go to your spouse. And if you're afraid that your secret will be overwhelming for your spouse, Jesus will care for your spouse where you cannot. If you're burdened, come to God and he will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. If you're burdened by healing, if you're burdened by sickness, if you're burdened because someone in your family is ill today, come to Jesus. Take it to God. Take it to Jesus. Look, you cannot cure cancer. Maybe one of you in this room can. I doubt it. Maybe one of you watching can find the ultimate cure for cancer. It is not a statistical probability, but there is a 100% chance that Jesus can carry your burden. There's a 100% chance that Jesus cares for the sick person in your life more than you do. There's a 100% chance that God has a plan for them. Jesus is the hope for this moment. So today, I know that it would be nice to have something practical. I'm not a very good practical preacher. I'm just as practical probably as I usually get. Draw close to Jesus. Lay burdens on him. And he will give you peace and he will give us rest. Man, this is a message for me. Number two is this, is that Jesus is our hope for the past. Jesus is our hope for the past. Man, I could just talk about Star Wars all morning, but I'm not going to because I love you. Jesus is our hope for the past. I actually, there's a different story that was on my mind uh, as I prayed and, and worked through this. It's amazing because when, just really quick, when Jesus comes to earth, when he is born in Bethlehem, right? When Jesus invades earth 2,000 years ago, he came to undo what had already been done. Hundreds of years of occupation from foreign nations in Israel, right? Hundreds of years of Rome, of, other, of, 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 of all of this oppression coming down on Israel, right? And Jesus comes and says, look, I know what's happened to you and I know how you failed in the past, but I'm not done with you. I'm so good that I'm actually gonna take what was done in the past and I'm going to redefine it so that it has a better future. In Genesis, there's this cool story and there's this brat named Joseph. You guys heard of this kid? If you've not heard of Joseph, he was legit a brat, okay, <laughs> Joseph is this kid that has all these dreams, and Joseph, he has, uh, he, he's the first son of his father's favorite wife, so there's some dysfunction. <laughs> Family dynamics are not completely healthy, okay? Like almost everyone in Scripture, which is such a good promise. Look, if your family, if you're frustrated with the dysfunction in your family, God can use Moses, God can use Abraham. Look, Abraham was a guy who was one of the worst husbands uh, you would ever meet if you met him today. Uh, Abraham was weird and liked to fondle his wife in public. And I don't know why, but that is part of the story. And he also liked to, he got scared when he met more powerful men than him. And if men had power, he would pretend like his wife was his sister. And he would offer his wife up to them as a concubine to save his own skin. This is not like the greatest husband of all time, right? Like most of you wouldn't do that. Well, let's hope. Um, and Abraham is the guy that God chooses. This dysfunctional family is the family that God chooses to be the beginning of a story of blessing for thousands of generations. So Joseph's, Joseph's family is dysfunctional, like similar to this family. He's great, 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 great grandson of Abraham, okay? And so Joseph, he's his father's favorite wife's son, and so Joseph knows he's like the favorite kid. And he has these dreams where all the other kids are worshiping him. And then he wakes up and he's like, that was a dope dream. 
Yo, guys, what'd you dream last night? Cool, whatever. Uh, I dreamed that you were all going to worship me. What do you think about that? Um, I would knock my brother's teeth out. Joseph is a brat. And so Joseph, because of, the, because of this, his brothers decide that they're actually going to beat him. They're going to leave him for dead. And then they actually, eventually, one of them is like, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's be good guys. Let's sell him into slavery instead. <clears throat> He's the good guy of the story. And so Joseph has this amazing redemption, though. Like, all these bad things happen to Joseph. His brothers beat him. His brothers leave him in a pit. His brothers take his coat back to his dad, covered in blood, and they lie to their dad, and they say, your son is dead. And they sell their brother into slavery. This is a terrible thing that's happened to Joseph. Then he gets sold into slavery. Then as he's sold into slavery, he has to spend time in prison. Then finally, when he gets out of prison, he's a servant, and, and then he has this weird interaction with uh, his boss's wife. Wife, and then his boss's wife accuses him of um, inappropriate action. And then he gets thrown back in jail. And then after spending more years in jail, he has to work his way back out of jail and up to this. And so finally, after years of it just being beat down and beat down and beat down again, Joseph finally comes to a place where he has power and authority. And he there's a famine in the land. And Joseph begins to distribute food to people because there's a famine in the land. And he his brothers come to him, not knowing it is him. Now, you all know the story. I'm just repeating it for the sake of diligence. His brothers come to him, and they say, Joseph. Or they, they, they don't recognize him, right? So they say, hey, can we please have some food? And so he says, well, go get your other brothers and your father, and then maybe I'll give you food. And they're like freaking out, like, what would we do? We're in trouble. He's not going to give us any food. And they finally show up, and Joseph makes this big pageant. He's kind of, <laughs> he's a little dramatic. And finally, he reveals, he says, guys, it's me. It's Joseph. You remember you sold me into slavery. Don't you recognize me? And he kind of takes off his makeup or whatever. And there's this moment where they realize that the person who has saved their lives is the very same person that they'd sold into slavery. And they say, Joseph, I'm so sorry. You know, in all the silliness of me making silly out of the story, that's an impactful moment, right? Have you ever had a moment like that where you come together with somebody and one of you has to say, I'm so sorry for the way I hurt you. I stole business from you or I cheated on you or I left you or I abandoned you or... I abuse you, or I hurt you, or I lied to you. That's a hard moment. And they're just, they're just apologizing to Joseph and saying, Joseph, we're so sorry. And Joseph says this about his own past. He says, it's okay, because what you purposed for evil, this is Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, because what you purposed for evil, God purposed for good. He looks at his past and he says, you know what? At the time, I didn't realize it, but God was, not God repurposed it. His language is specific. He didn't say God changed it for good. He says God purposed it for good. God is the hope of my past and of your past. You know what I've learned over the years? I've learned that the weaknesses that I've picked up over my lifetime and developed over my lifetime, they are weaknesses. But some of the biggest hurts in my life are the greatest strengths in my life. It's just true. Some of them are legit the biggest weaknesses as well. But some of the ways that God works through my life are because of the deepest hurts in my life. Some of the ways that God speaks through my life is because God is speaking through hurt and through pain. Because although God loves me, and in his original design would have never designed a world where I have to hurt and be hurt. God knew what to take me through because the hope for my past was in him. If you're looking back at your past at things that you can't change or cannot handle, God is the hope of your past. If there are things you don't want to face today, God wants to full on come face to face with your past so that he can give you hope that what you have done is not the end. Maybe you've had to do horrible things. 
Maybe you've been in situations where you've had to take lives. Maybe you've been in situations where you've had to make hard decisions. You know what? God is the hope of your past. And what he has done and brought you through in your past, he will put hope for in your future. Like Joseph would say, there will be a season where you can say, what man purposed for evil, what the devil sent to destroy me, God has purposed to build me up. And that's the hope of Jesus for my past. The third thing is this, is that Jesus is the hope for the end. He's the hope for the end. This is what we say about 2020, right? What we're saying about 2020 is this, and it's so true. Jesus has the last say. Somebody say amen. Jesus has the last say. I don't care how many things go wrong. Jesus has the last word. He's like you in that argument with your spouse when things are done and you start walking away and you go, but I was doing yesterday. <laughs> Under your breath. You know what I mean? No, nobody? Okay. Jesus has the last say. You know why? Not because he walks away and grumbles under his breath, but because Jesus holds the confrontation by the face and he grabs it and he says, listen, come hell or high water, literally both things Jesus has conquered, hell and high water. I am going to prevail in this. My love is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My hope is not over. If I conquered the grave, I can conquer this. If I conquered the grave, I can conquer the addiction that your children are facing. If I've conquered the grave, I can conquer the problem that your marriage is facing. If I've conquered the grave, there is no enemy that has an end that will defeat feet you all shut the mouths of lions i'm the hope for the end jesus is the hope for the end what i love is this is that in the midst of pain this doesn't mean that we don't face pain it means in the midst of pain jesus is the comfort I wrote a poem a while ago because I'm a weirdo. <clears throat> and um, it was just about all of the things that I don't expect to feel better in this life. But I know Jesus will have the last say on in heaven. When I think about my wife, there are things, when she was abandoned by her um, by both of her parents, and when her, when her mother finally was out of the picture, it was, I've shared about this before, but it, the effects of that are, are things that you have to continue to just work through your entire life. There will never be a moment between now and, and uh, death that that is not, um, that there's not sadness in that, and that's okay. All of us have those things some things that you've done, some things that have happened to you, then they will always, there will always be tears. Jesus is not just the hope for the end of our life. He's the hope for the end in eternity. And it, this is a hard thing to preach about because truthfully, I can't talk to somebody who cannot believe in God about the hope of heaven. It means nothing. And that's, that's okay. If, if that's hard for you and, and that doesn't mean anything to you today, that's fine. That's, that's okay for you to be where you are. But I want to encourage anybody who would hear it today. There is a hope that's beyond this life. In Revelation chapter 21, God paints a picture of what the end of the cosmic battle between dark and light, good and evil looks like. He talks all throughout Revelation about his saints, and that's us. It, it just means called people. People that God has said, I want them to be mine. You're a saint, I'm a saint, not by my might or my power, but by God's spirit, we're saints. Nothing that we've done, but God's called us his. And this war between his saints and the forces of darkness. And this is the whole book of Revelation. is about this. And it's not just a book about the future. Revelation is this book of the Bible that's about what God is doing now. But he does say, in the end, he paints this picture, in the end, all the saints, all of us, tired and weary, bedraggled, faces 
dirty and dusty, tears streaking. It says this. It says that the saints come to the king of kings, the gentle king of kings, after this war is over, our king Jesus. And it says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. You know, in this life, it's okay. Sadness is a good part of life. It is. It's a hard part of life, but it's a good part of life that we can embrace. The reason that we can embrace it is because today the sadness in life means something. It means that God's working in our lives. But in eternity, he will take you, and he will gently hold you. And as your father who cares for you as a child, he will kneel down and he will wipe the tears from your eyes and he'll say, we're done. There's no more. There's no more hurting. There's no more pain. There's no more mourning. Death is gone. It's just a bad memory now. All we have now is life and joy and an eternity of peace. Now, I can't even fathom that, but what I know is this. I know that I look forward to Jesus wiping the tears from my wife's eyes. Praise God one day from my father's eyes, from my mother's eyes, from my brother's eyes, from your eyes, from my eyes. I look forward to that because that is not just the end of me crying right now, but it is the ultimate end of our mourning. Jesus is our last hope. Today, the reason that the gospel is so powerful is because when you are at your wit's end and you're ready to throw a Hail Mary, which is a pretty funny reference to use in church, <laughs> when you're ready to do that and you're ready to make the, just the long bomb and you, this is all we've got, Jesus, Jesus, that's where he enters in that moment. Today, if you look at your past and you think that there is nothing that Jesus has redeemed or needs to redeem from your past, I want to invite you to reevaluate, brothers and sisters, because Jesus, your past needs Jesus. And if you don't know where yet, that's okay, but he needs to reveal that to you. It might not be dramatic, but it's real. This present age, if you don't know that you need Jesus right now in this moment, I want to invite you to ask God to reevaluate that with you because Jesus, the born and living Savior born on Christmas, he is not here for people who don't need a Savior. He's here for people who say, I need a Savior today. He's not here for people who needed a Savior last week. That's one of the biggest mistakes I make in my life is I say, man, thank God he was there last week. Today, I can make it on my own. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not here for people who needed Jesus a year ago. He's here for people who need Jesus now, today. I have come to the point in my life where I would say I need Jesus today, every day. And if there's a day that I forget to say that, man, let that change. Jesus is our last hope. That's why it's so powerful in Star Wars. Uh, you didn't think it was coming back, but it did. When Leia comes and she says, help me, you're my only hope. That's powerful because when someone is desperate, they say, Jesus, you're my only hope. The money didn't fix the problem. The marriage didn't fix the marriage problems. The kids didn't fix the marriage problems. You know what? If you're single and you're watching this online or you're here today, the marriage didn't fix your single problems. Jesus is the only hope. He's the last hope. He's the last chance that we have. And so if we don't hold on to Jesus above and beyond all things, we are lost. God, today, we want to hold on to your hope. Church, would you, would you mind standing with me if you don't mind? So we'll dismiss in just a moment. But we just want to profess today that Jesus is our last hope. God, today you are our first hope. You are our only hope. You're our last hope. You're all that we have, God. If there's anything else that I'm holding on to, 
my pride, let me let it go. If there's anything else, God, that I'm holding on to, a solution to my own problem, God, let me let it go. You're the only hope, Jesus. You're the only future, Jesus. You're the only answer, Jesus. We're going to sing this chorus of this song one more time. If you want to sing, you can. We're just going to worship and glorify God today. We're going to dismiss today, but here's what we're going to do. This morning, if, uh, if you need Jesus as the hope for your present moment right now, if you need Jesus for the hope of your past right now, if you need Jesus as the hope today, if there are things in life that you, you know you need Jesus to be the final hope, the hope for the end, or if today you just need to say, Jesus, you're my last hope. I've tried everything else, but I want to put my hope in you, God, today. Man, God will meet you where you are right now. But if that's you, if there's anybody in the room, just put your hands up with me. I just want to pray. I just want to surrender to God and pray this morning. Jesus, Lord, our hope is in you for our family. Our hope is in you for our friends. Our hope is in you for our city. And our hope is in you. You're the only God that conquers addiction. You're the only God that conquers trauma. You're the only God that conquers abuse. You're the only God that conquers the present situation. Jesus. We keep our eyes fixed on you knowing that whether next year is better than this year or not, doesn't matter. Our hope is not in next year being good. Our hope is in a God who will be good. We don't have to wait and see, God, whether you're going to be good. You're good. You were good. You are good. You will be good forever you are good, God. Our hope is just in you, Jesus. God, for people who are hurting right now, for people whose hearts are broken right now, God, We thank you that you're close to them, closer than they can feel, closer than we can feel, closer than we can sense, God. I need you today, Jesus. Heal my heart. Be the hope of my heart in your name. Amen. Hey, we love you so much, church. We are, uh, we're a blessed church. We're dismissed. We're gonna, be, get, we're gonna get out of here, get ready for the next service. Pick up your kids if you need to do that. Love y'all.